Hello to everybody with strong opinions on Cotton-Eyed Joe. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Thanks to everybody who enjoyed last week's episode. We heard from somebody who was engaged, even though she was in love with someone else. It was the uh, first of our sort of Valentine's Day two-piece. We realized we got two episodes in that bracket Valentine's Day. Let's do it. Uh, A lot of people uh, in the Facebook group in particular found ways to be supportive of that call. A lot of people sympathetic. A lot of people hoping for the best. A lot of people calling for a follow-up. So maybe someday we will have one. In the meantime, though, as part of this little Valentine's Day experiment, making a little bit of a theme for part of the month, I also asked you, the people out there who listen to the show, again, specifically the members of our Facebook group, to leave voicemails of your Valentine's experiences. And you stepped up. Here's some of what you had to say. Because of my love of field work and remote travel, I'm a 33-year-old who has never had a Valentine. But in 2017, I visited my best friend in her Peace Corps assignment in central Mexico. And then I traveled solo for a couple weeks afterwards. I went to Oaxaca and took a colectivo to a place called Hierba del Agua, which is a petrified waterfall with pools at the top where you can sit and just enjoy the view over this valley and mountains beyond. And ended up meeting a Bolivian, a Mexican, an Irishman, and a Swiss guy. We shared a collectivo back to town and then went and had pizza at a rooftop restaurant overlooking the main church square in Oaxaca as some random parade happened down below us. And it was awesome to just connect with fellow lovers of travel and not think about Valentine's Day. Um, this happened when I was in high school. My boyfriend and I would meet after school together every day and he would usually drive me home or something like that. And this was on Valentine's Day and I was super excited for our plan. Walk out, can't find him. Um, I immediately, I knew he had soccer seventh period. I immediately get this bad feeling, turn around and I go outside and my boyfriend is like hanging out on the side of a golf cart. He, I guess, had gotten really sick. And as soon as I walk out there to be like, uh, what's up dude? He just starts projectile vomiting everywhere. Um, needless to say, we had to cancel our reservations and his mom and dad had to come pick him up. Also ironic, that person then went on to dump me on Valentine's Day over text two years later. So karma's a bitch, I guess. Oh God, I remember when I was a child, me and my grandmother used to sit outside of the ATV, which is a grocery store in Texas, and we would talk about how crazy it was that people met each other on the internet. And I remember at six years old saying, there's no way I would ever meet someone on the internet. I mean, what would I tell my kids? That I met their dad on the internet? Well, like, skip forward a decade plus. <laughs> I'm not totally straight anymore, and I met that motherfucker on Tinder. Sorry, Dallas. Um, yeah, he was supposed to be a hookup. I met him on Tinder, and it's now four years later, and I just keep waiting for the hookup to end. Don't get me wrong, I'm not rooting for it to end. Just, you know, never expected to get this far. Love them a lot, though. Love them a lot. They're the best. Now, on to today's call. This one is awesome. This caller was great. All the callers are great. But this caller sitting here, I'm like, man, it's so cool. Caller has cerebral palsy. A caller talks about what it was like to get proposed to, how the proposal went, 
shares her experience dating as a disabled person, fills me in on the meaning of the term chair chaser. Uh, this is the thing you have to be a little bit uh, wary of when you're in her position in life. We talk about all sorts of stuff, a lot of it relating to having cerebral palsy and a lot of it making you realize, man, everybody is dealing with things. And for some people, they are things that have a very obvious effect like this, but we're all just people. We're all just people. And, uh, and yeah, it's a great call. It's a great call. We talk about positivity. We talk about why laughing is important. We talk about why crying is important, how we both have crying benches. It's really cool. It's a cool call and a cool caller. I think you're going to like it. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? 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 Is this Chris? Oh, my God. I just did the thing that everybody does. Yes, Chris. Me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. You're golden. Take a deep breath. You're good. I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, but I'm very excited. Please do not uh, pass out on the I've phone. Been, Please. Uh, I, pr I probably won't. It's fine. Um, I'm just really excited. I've been a big fan of the show since it started in 2017. Uh, it's been a bucket list item to be on the show one day, and I can't believe it's actually happening. I'm going to be riding this high for like, Till 2022 sometime. <laughs> well, so I'm I, really happy to be with you. I got to say, I mean, it's December 1st. So to hear that this has been a, a bucket list item for years, but it's only going to give you a high for like a month tops. That's... Figured, no, it's going to be, no, like I'm deep kidding. into 2022, I'm talking like I need all the positivity I can get. I recently saw you at your first live show in Philly. Uh, and I was super excited to be there. And you even like said my Twitter handle and I freaked out. Um, and so I just am going to be trying to calm down and not be in a distract the entire call. I don't even know if this gets released, but I'll be able to listen to it. Cause I, I don't know how you do it. Like listening to your own voice. Uh, cause I have a hard time with that. Oh, I, 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 I hate to say it, but I rarely, it's it's hard for me to listen because I am not a fan of my voice. And then sometimes people tell me they like my voice, and I'm like, that's crazy because I have the voice of a of a weak coward. That's my impression of my voice. Uh, I feel like you shouldn't say that about yourself. As someone who's trying to be nice to yourself, I feel like you do not have a voice of a weak coward. As someone who's listened to you for many years, I do not think that that's true. So I'm going to rebut you on that respectfully. <laughs> Uh, but you. I do think it's scientifically, I think it's scientifically a thing where people don't like to hear their own voice because like the vibrations in your head sound different to you and how your voice sounds to yourself than when you hear it reflected back to you. So I yeah. think it is, that's a scientific fact. Um, how's your day going today? How's the day going today? So far, so good. Um, Dropped off the recycling at the town recycling center. Got a bunch of work done, and now I'm doing this. That's how's, awesome. How's That's your day awesome. going? Um, I mean, it's better now. It was kind of just a regular Wednesday. I work from home, which I'm very grateful for and privileged for because I'm disabled um, and I don't drive, so it's a really good luxury. That's one of the great things that's come out of the pandemic for me. Um, but so I've just been kind of chugging along. 
hanging out with my cat. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm talking to you and I'm very happy. Um, I was talking to Anita. I feel like I scared Anita because I was intense, but I'm just really excited to be on the call. Uh, I have cerebral palsy and I know you've had some other disabled callers. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone with CP before, but I don't know what you know about it. So if you want me to talk about that, I can, or if you just want to, I don't know what you want to do. I would, I would love to hear more about it. I'll tell you on my end. Um, I, I, I always like on the show, I admit when I don't know much about stuff and I will tell you that historically I have always mixed up because they're both two words and the first word starts with C. I always mix up cerebral palsy and cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis, I believe, is breathing related. Cerebral palsy mm -hmm. is not. So I will say that's that's one of those things in my head. I always mix them up. So tell me, tell me about cerebral palsy. Sure. And also, you don't have to feel bad for not knowing. You know, people don't know, and that's okay. And that's why I like to be really open about it. Um, and C CF and CP, they're both like, you're like one hump away from CF, right? With a little P hump. So you're close enough. Uh, <laughs> they're very different. It's, it's better that you thought it was that because my fiance, he said that when I always talked about CP, he was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just like, he said, he was like, I always associated that with like child porn and that's a lot worse. So he's like, I'm glad you've reassociated that. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, he probably won't like that. I mentioned that. Oh you God. said that's your fiance? <laughs> Yeah, I promise. I'll, I'll, he's not, he's a good person. I thought. Oh God. Okay. Anyway, so CP. I'm just gonna redirect entirely. Cerebral palsy for me. It's a neurological condition. Um, it can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. The way like autism is a spectrum. Cerebral palsy is a spectrum. So for me, it means that I walk with a crutch and I have like balance issues in my lower extremities. Um, but it can really just cause spasticity and like tightness and stiffness in any kind of your extremities. But like. Sometimes the people have um, cerebral palsy, have difficulties with speech, uh, motor coordination, that kind of thing. It just really depends on the person. And I also want to just put a disclaimer out there for the disability community and just in general, that like I'm speaking to my experience and anyone who has cerebral palsy or any kind of disability, it's totally different. Um, but I walk with a crutch and, um, you know, you wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but I get a lot of... Uh, staring attention and weird comments like all the time and I forget and then I'm like why are people staring at me I'm like oh I'm disabled <laughs> so it's an interesting experience for sure um so I also grew up in a very like homogeneous uh area um outside of a major city uh so there's not many people who are both Asian and disabled in my area so I literally ran into someone from my kindergarten Last week, I'm 27, and she remembered me, <laughs> which is nice, but it's also a very weird phenomenon, too. And is cerebral palsy something that you're born with, correct? Yeah. So there's a lot of different reasons, and I actually like studied neuroscience in college because I wanted to know more about it than the way that the doctors described it to me. Um, but I was born eight weeks early. Um, I was like two pounds, eight ounces or something like that in South Korea and now I live in the US. Um, but I'm not sure you know with your son, like eight weeks is a long time to mm -hmm. not have that development. So I'm kind of fortunate um, that I don't have higher support needs and that um, I'm still able to be 
independent and I live with my fiance and I have a full-time job. And when you're a kid growing up with a disability, you don't really know what your future is going to look like. Um, or, you know, if you're going to be able to go to college or how that's going to look for you. So the fact that I've kind of done it is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something, um, I tell, I tell, um, my fiance these stories about weird stuff that's happened to me as a kid. And he like, he's like, please don't tell me that. Cause it makes him sad. Cause I used to, when I was a kid, I never was able, like, I can't run, right? That's just not something I can do, which I'm totally fine with. Cause I think if I was able-bodied, I wouldn't really, really want to run that much. That's just not, it's not for me. And <laughs> when I was a kid, I would get like mad that I wasn't able to race with other kids. So I'd ask them to have a slow race where they just say, let's have a slow race. And then I just stand still. <laughs> and I say that I won. Because I'm going to move everywhere. <laughs> and he so, says that that's heartbreaking. <laughs> I also really wanted to tap dance for like a few years there. And my mom had to, you know, politely redirect me. Because tap dancing with a physical disability is just like, like not something <laughs> So have you always had a, I mean, I I noticed that already eight and a half minutes in, when you get up to stuff that other people find heartbreaking or that people might go, oh man, that's a lot. You burst out laughing. Have you always, have you always had a sense of humor to get through this? Or is that just something you've developed over life out of necessity? I, I think it's kind of been a sense of humor. And also like, I just have a really dark sense of humor. Like I can bring down a room really fast and I think it's funny, but nobody else finds it. <laughs> um, someone went to, I went to a really small liberal arts college and I had a, a really hard time there, similar to what you were saying with Rutgers, where I just like really went into depression and had a really hard time. And I think the college that I went to, just like everyone was depressed all the time. And so someone said to me, one of my, one of our friends was like, oh yeah, I drove by there. It's such a beautiful campus. And I said, yeah, and everyone's depressed. <laughs> and I I was really amused, but no one else was. Oh, let's pause there. Me and this caller are kindred spirits. Saying things that we find funny and very few other people do uh, because you get a little dark at times. This, they, These are my people. These are my people. All right. I've broken the momentum. Let's get some ads out of the way. We'll be right back. Thanks to all the advertisers who allow us to bring this show out to the world. Now let's get back to our caller. Uh, I ha- often make jokes about being dead inside, and I've been asked to stop <laughs> doing that by my therapist and by my friends. So <laughs> I find it really amusing. Apparently no one else does. <laughs> so you and me are cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it's, I just say, I think dark stuff and then I'm like, Oh, it's just that, uh, you know, shout out to Wellbutrin mm-hmm. and my therapist Sue. I can call her Sue cause there's a lot of Sue's in the world and we, and we call it whenever I go to therapy, we call it Tuesday. And I feel like all of my friends know my therapist, name. but I feel like that's a good thing because I feel like people should talk openly about therapy um, and you're one of the reasons, a big part of one of the reasons I decided to get help, uh, go to therapy and get on medication. So I just wanted to give you a side and say thank you for that. Um, because therapy and medication saved my life for sure. For sure. I'm happy to hear that I was uh, a part of that and I'm glad, 
I'm glad that it's worth it for you. That's awesome. You'll be happy yeah. here too. Yeah. Yesterday was my Sue's day, but with Barb. Um, and just yesterday, <laughs> she told me, like, you know, your shrink has told you you have to stop claiming you're dead inside. It's an uncomfortable joke. And Barb, just yesterday, she and I were going, <laughs> I've been having some confidence issues lately. Just in life, my confidence is shook. And Barb said to me, you know, since the day I met you, you're, you're, you make your living through your humor and your humor is self-deprecating to a concerning degree. Like the things you say about yourself and your act and on your podcast, she's like, it's, you know how to make it funny in a dark way, but it's concerning. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. The self-deprecation. What's the line between self-deprecation and self-hate? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I'm really working on that right now. I had a realization the other day that I can overthink and dwell to the point that, Chris, I'll be laying in bed and I'll be going through my day and I'll start thinking about how in first grade I was talking when a teacher told me I was supposed to, like, we're all supposed to be quiet and I got a yellow card, like a green card, yellow card. And I'm 27 and I still think about that like every three weeks. And that's probably the sign that I'm still very mentally ill. Uh, But... I find it very hard. Like I can love others to a much higher degree than I love myself. And when people tell me they love me, I don't believe them. So oh, same. like when same. my fiance proposed, I was like, I kept asking him if he was sure. <laughs> and he kept telling me to stop. He's like, can you please stop asking if I'm sure? It's like, no, I'm, I have a lot. Of, he, I said, immediately said yes. And then he said, I said, are you sure? I have a lot of mental issues. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I think that that's how you deal with the hard stuff is you try to, you know, laugh. And if you don't laugh, you're going to cry about it. And I do a lot of that too. But laughing is just, more entertaining. Yeah. So, I'm with you. How do you propose? Uh, so I'm a really big reader. And I love the library and I'm a really big dork. I love ice cream. And I'm always trying to like, like a little kid, I'm always trying to be like, when can we get ice cream? And I should have known because we got ice cream at like noon on a Sunday. And we walk around in our local town and he had my friend come. And then he texted my friend like they were hiding and to take pictures and stuff. And he texted my friend while we were getting ice cream. He said, my name, oh, we're going to be late uh, because blank, my name, is just got the biggest ice cream sundae I've ever seen. Because <laughs> he was 34 minutes. Uh, and he didn't, I think I was so surprised I almost blacked out. Uh, I had to sit with my legs between my knees, my head between my knees for like 40 minutes and people like outside of the library, there's like, it's really like a specific area. They kept asking me if I was okay because I was sobbing and he had to keep telling people that I was okay. They were happy tears. Uh, so I, I can't even imagine what our wedding is going to be like because <laughs> I think about writing my vows. I've already written some of my vows and I cry over literally everything so I'm worried that like it's going to be crying to the point where people are going to be like, oh, that's, oh, oh is, she, is she okay? Like, I mean, it's will be no. <laughs> so it's, I'm very lucky, but dating as a disabled person is like a whole other realm of, honestly, it's like a shitstorm. Sorry, Sally, but uh, very lucky to have found uh, a really good person. Well, I want to talk about that. First, I want to say, I feel like I have a pretty good 
idea of our of our fan base here at Beautiful and Honest and what the listeners like. And I'm telling you, you have charmed them. You are a charming person, and I could tell that they are into you. I love that I asked you, how do you propose? And the short answer is, oh, I really love books. So he did it at the library, but it also that involved a story about ice cream and people hiding in bushes and 40 minutes of crying with your head between your legs as concerned pastors by asking you if okay, you're okay. That is right on target for what we love here at this show. Now, tell me about tell me about uh, dating as a disabled person. That's an intriguing thing you brought up. Sure. So physical disability, have a crutch. And I. it's taken me a long time to accept and embrace my disability because I think it's something that dominates my life so much and people have actively tried to make me feel bad for it that I've had to kind of develop my own uh, my own story about it and like how it makes me me and how I can identify as a disabled person. And I've really tried to, to, to embrace it as part of myself, but it's taken me a long time to get there. So when I first downloaded Tinder, I, or like any other dating app, I would not put any pictures of me with my crush in it because I didn't want people to know because it's like a rare opportunity you have that you don't have to disclose when you meet someone right away. Um, but then I felt like in doing that, it's kind of leaving out a crucial part of who I am because I was ashamed of it rather than being open about it. Um, so, and then I thought it was harder to say, say like halfway to the conversation, like, how do you drop this PT bomb? Like, oh, by the way, I'm disabled and I can't walk that well. So I promise you it's fine. But like, just say no, that's <laughs> not an easy thing to do. Um, so I started putting pictures that actively like had my crutch in it. Um, and my fiance, like, like, right. Or whatever. It's funny. Cause he can tell me like him and his friend deferred about like what the crutch might mean in our, in a, like what before he, uh, when we matched and stuff, but it's really difficult because people have assumptions that like people with disabilities can't be sexual or are, you know, like there's a lot of infantilizing of like people talk down to you or not patronizing. I've had people like when I disclosed that I'm disabled, they'll literally cancel dates. Like we had a date and I was like, Hey, cause I was really nervous. It's like a really hard thing to do. Um, to kind of be able to bear your soul to like the most intimate part of you that like you can't change and be like, Oh, Hey, here's this thing. And they're like, Oh, sorry, I don't want to date you anymore. Um, so that was really hard for a long time. I'm going to be honest. It was really, really hard. Um, my whole plan, Chris, was to just adopt a bunch of disabled dogs and have them live in my accessible house with me. So like those little dogs with wheels for legs. And the longer I was single, because my fiance is actually my first boyfriend. Um, we started dating when I was 23, but I had not had a boyfriend or dated since then. And the more, the longer I was single, the more disabled dogs I got. So while we were while uh before we were dating i was like i want to get 60 disabled dogs which indicates 67 and he six, said that he's happy that didn't happen six six one two three four five six seven sixty seven i wanted no i should be clear that i didn't actually adopt them but like the number just kept getting higher as to how many i was going to think about adopting okay okay and so now now all my friends just send me tiktoks of disabled animals and i sit there and cry thinking about the cat who doesn't have one eye uh that's in alabama who i suppose certainly cannot adopt uh but yeah that was my that was my game <laughs> so yeah that is that is 
That is a thorough answer to what's it like to date while disabled, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's hard. And then, like, you have to keep alone. You don't need to be like, well, can you have sex? And it's like, well, yeah. But, like, if you don't ask an able-bodied person like that, it's really intrusive. Like, the things that people will say to me without knowing me because I'm disabled, it's, like, so weird. I don't understand it, especially Uber drivers. Like I said, I don't drive. Um, like half of people who have CP can drive, half of people with kids. Uh, I went through these lessons earlier this year, which shout out to Dennis because he was fantastic. Uh, he's like a dad and he was like the sweetest. Um, I almost hit a squirrel while I was driving because you have to have like special hand controls because I can't use my feet very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I was very nervous about driving. And just because it's like a big piece of machinery and I'm accident prone. So I was like, oh God, this is terrible. I saw a Girl Scout on the side of the road and he told me we cannot, I was like, oh, I want to get Girl Scout cookies. He said, oh, he said, almost, almost for my name. We cannot stop for Girl Scout cookies. We must continue. We <laughs> so he, he was not down for that. But, um, oh God, I forgot my point. Anyway, there's a lot with just like trying to date with disabled. There's just like a lot when you have a disability, especially like a physically apparent one that people just do not realize. Um, people like checking me out at like Walgreens or CVS, like, oh, are you like, you have cancer? <laughs> and if I'm supposed to, if I did have cancer, what am I supposed to say to that? That's so rude and like so weird that people something about you and then have to make an assumption and, and say like oh like you have a crutch or like you have a cane yep like you're tall it's just kind of strange and I do not want to like make the I'm very open to talking about my disability and I love talking about it and I love I work in a nonprofit organization actually um but it's just the way in which people approach it so you know I think like a good etiquette is like hey, can I ask about your disability or can I ask about why you use uh, XYZ? And it's just like about the way you approach it. No one who's disabled owes anyone anything in public spaces. That's all. Sorry. I get really worked up about it because it's a daily thing. It is a daily thing for me. I'm sure. I get it. Here's, when we're, when we're talking about dating too, you mentioned that like you have to worry about people infantilizing you when you're disabled, which haven't lived through it. But I've, as soon as you say it, I go, oh, I've seen that in action. I feel like I've seen the type of behavior, people like talking to you like you're a child or, you know, um, showing like an overly amount of concern as if you're not there having a conversation. I can see all that. I would also have to imagine too, are there, do you have to be careful? Are there people out there who like fetishize like when you're dating, do you have to go, oh, I have to make sure this is not somebody who's like, this is their thing. That, that has to be a thing too. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, I I don't know too much about it, but I think they're called chair chasers. Chair chasers. Uh, There's a name for it. Oh my God. Chair chasers. Oh I think that's my what God. I um, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I've never Googled it uh, because I yeah, don't, don't. Want to, but yeah, I, don't. I know that it's a thing. I also think that like we talk about disabled people like they're not people and like they don't have sex drives. And I know in other countries, there's also, I don't know what country it is. There's like people who are sex workers who are paid 
to have sex with people with disabilities. Uh, so there's like a whole interesting community. I don't know that much about it, but I, it is a thing. The, thing. the thing that I get nervous about is whenever I, especially, I don't know if you knew in March, the, was in March or April of last year, in the shit storm that was 2020, excuse me, Sally, there was also um, stuff about Asian women. There was a string of women who were murdered who were Asian, I think in Georgia or something like that. Right, right. And I was scared to go outside um, because of, not only because of COVID, even though I'm not in a compromise, I just really nervous because of COVID, but also just because as an Asian woman, and then you had a disability on top of that, if someone took my crutch away, like, I would not have a defense. So I went online and I ordered pepper spray uh, just because I got really scared that if someone tried, like, I'm not that strong. I'm like barely five feet tall. <laughs> and pe- I, people, I am acutely aware of myself as a, like, at being at risk when I go out in public spaces, especially if I'm by myself. I'm not as worried uh, when I'm with my fiance because he's tall and he's scary looking. Uh, he's awful. <laughs> he's actually, he tries to, he's an introvert. So he tries to, and he doesn't want to talk to anybody. And I love to talk to everybody. <laughs> and so he's like, you're really breaking down my introverted, uh, my introverted off-putting kind of vibe because people love to talk to you. So I've destroyed that. And the anonymity for him, he doesn't have it anymore because people know that he is with me. So he gets a lot of questions too. But um, yeah, if it's something I'm really aware of, I think that that is a thing. I've heard of people um, who use assistive devices like myself. If you use like a wheelchair, people will try to like push your wheelchair places. If you're blind, people will try to like lead you in directions without your consent. So my advice to people is like, if you want, see someone who's, who's disabled and you'd like to try to help them, that's great. But like, ask them. And if they say no, if they say they don't need help, then respect that. Because the amount of times that I'll say like, no, I'm good. And then people will try to do it for me anyway. It's just really frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, people just make assumptions all the time about what I can and can't do. and that's really exhausting because it kind of feels like I have something to prove every time I walk into a room. How, uh, how tall is your boyfriend? <laughs> I, I think he's six foot. So he's a six foot tall. And I can't tall. wear heels. <laughs> and you're, you said you're barely yeah. five feet tall? Yeah. And I can't wear heels. <laughs> um, we went to a baseball game and I was using my wheelchair and they have like a free thing for like 14 and under. And they handed me like a free sweatshirt, which, okay, I'm going to be honest. I call it full disclosure. I call CP stands for two things to me, cerebral palsy, but also crutch perks because 95% of the time I'm disadvantaged by my disability. So when I get things like a free sweatshirt, I call it a crutch perk or like uh, getting to the front of the line at Disney. Crutchburg. I was now, just gonna say. Also, just gonna say amusement parks. Yeah. Right there is a crutch perk. Yeah. Trying to think if I can brainstorm any other crutch perks for my non, for my non crutch using. That's the obvious one that everybody. <laughs> right. I bet you. I bet people. Do you get? I bet people ask that. Oh, do you get to go to the front of the line at Disney? 
<laughs> you must that, and then you're oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, but also I get, um, you know, wasn't able to tap dance as a child, so please stop making it out like I. Getting to the front of the line at Disney is somehow hitting the jackpot. Please, can we stop? You know what was another disadvantage, Chris? It's a really specific disadvantage, but I specifically never want anyone to play like I don't want Cotton Eye Joe played at my wedding or anything. Cotton Eye Joe as a kid, you know the song with the dance. Yeah, yeah I don't I know. know. Like I have such bad like FOMO from that song because I used to just like stand in a circle at like the party, like all those stupid ice skating parties. And I like clap my hands on the beat and like spin in a circle, but I can't do the complicated foot stuff. Yeah. So Cotton My Joe just is, is very specifically, ironically and really funnily like triggering for me, but I, I fucking hate Cotton My Joe. Well, I have to imagine it. I've got to imagine that the hokey pokey isn't pleasant for you, that, uh, that, uh, the electric slide. Hokey pokey's okay. I think. Hokey pokey's okay. Hokey slide's okay. I can do the cha-cha slide. I think I can do the wobble a little. It's like kind of hard. Mm-hmm. The Cupid shuffle's all right. I don't think we're going to do any group dances at my wedding, but like I'm not against all group dances, but just like specifically Cotton Eye Joe is pretty fucking ableist in my mind because like <laughs> can't do this. But <laughs> I am uh, mad about it. I will let you know that at the very least, I think there's a lot of solidarity here because I think most people hate Cotton Eye Joe. I will tell you, it's not like there's a lot of people going like, you're destroying this major pillar of, of things I love. Stop talking crap about Cotton Eye Joe. Most people hate Cotton Eye Joe. Listen, when you're a 13-year-old with braces in your mouth, headgear, glasses, a crutch, and I had braces on my feet, like, yeah. I, there was not a lot of hope in middle school, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in the reading Olympics. Just, like, put you, let's put that in cap. It was just, like, the whole idea was just to read a lot. And then you had a competition about questions you could answer about books you read. Like, <laughs> I've been certified as not cool by my therapist. And she literally, she said something like, I was like, well, you know, I just, like, I love when people, like, want to be friends with me. And it was really cool, like. Uh, my fiance's best friend had like texted me and I was just like kind of delighted. And she's, and I was like, I don't know, it just made me feel cool. And she's like, well, you're not cool, but <laughs> getting roasted by my therapist out here. I've been there. I've been if there. your therapist doesn't roast you, I don't know that she's doing a good job. Pause there. Amen to that. Amen to that. My therapist is like uh, Don Rickles of therapy out here getting roasted. That's yeah, not totally true, but. I like bringing up Don Rickles. Anyway, that got weird. Let's do some ads. Thank you to all of our advertisers. That's it, everybody. No more ads. From here on out, it's just phone call. Settle in. Buckle up. I'm getting roasted by my therapist out here. Been there. I've been if there. If your therapist doesn't roast you, I don't know that she's doing a good job. I, or was, doing I was talking with my therapist about my confidence stuff, and it's like, I think it's part mm-hmm. of why I've always been a workaholic in a way that maybe isn't healthy because it's over trying to overcompensate some things I feel insecure about via accomplishment. And she said, well, she said, well, look, let's not lie. It's not like your GQ material. So I get it. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Okay. I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you. I agree. Barb is out here throwing barbs at you. What is this for? Nailed no, it. I mean, Barb throwing barbs, but it makes me I, trust her. I'm sure it makes you trust Sue too. Of like, it's, right, it's humanizing because like 
know what I look she like. She loves me and she, well, she like wants the best for me. She also told me, because 2020, I think like everyone, I had a really hard mental health time. I had a terrible job and it was just, my fiance had lost his job and it was just like a terrible time. And I wanted to get an anxiety workbook. And Sue specifically said to me, my name, blank, please do not under any circumstances order yourself an anti-anxiety workbook because then you're just not going to do the anti-anxiety exercises and then you're going to make yourself feel bad for not doing these inane homework assignments that you've assigned to yourself uh-huh. and you're going to be more anxious about it. Yeah. And I felt Smart. very seen and also called out. In a good way, though. Called out. I like it. Oh, yeah. 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 She told me I need to do affirmations and meditating. And I kind of thought about it. And I looked at her, okay. And then I immediately was like, I will not be doing that. But I will still complain about not feeling better. <laughs> but uh-huh. I am uh-huh. going to try to do it. Uh-huh. For two to half. Therapy I j- is hard. I just thought of another important. crutch perk. I thought of another crutch perk. You get to board the plane first, so you always get overhead space. Yeah. But... That crutch perk, that crutch perk, I think is pr- immediately canceled out because I have I have to imagine that getting through the security line at an airport is just a fucking nightmare for you. Sorry, Sally. Uh, it's so also the caveat with the crutch perk is that sometimes able-bodied people are like, oh, the single people get special treatment, and I want to think of I want people to think about it as like it's leveling the playing field. It's not special treatment and crutch perk implies special treatment, but that's just my own kind of joke. Um, It's really equal treatment because if that's like the reality of it is if I have a crutch, I can't stand for long periods of time. My stamina is affected. I can't stand for like long periods in a line at Disney to get on fucking big Thunder Mountain or whatever. I don't know. Like space mountain. I hate space mountain. But like, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I need accessible parking because I can't walk long distances anyway. Um, So, you know, like crutch perks, I will take them if I have them. But even when people, businesses say they're inclusive, not to call them out, but I went to the Museum of Sex in New York a few years ago with my fiance. And I looked it up ahead of time because also as a disabled person, if you're physically disabled, you have to plan everything ahead of time because otherwise you're like, oh, well then I use my wheelchair like in cities and stuff um, for walking long distances because I don't have the stamina. And when you have a wheelchair, that's like a whole other ballgame as far as accessibility because if you literally can't get into the building, then you're just like not going to be able to go to that thing. So museum of sex, I looked it up ahead of time and it said they have an elevator and I get there and I, I have my wheelchair, but like they have an elevator and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd like to go. And he said, oh, we don't have anyone to escort you. So we can offer you a free drink, but you can't go up to the event. And my fiance just saw my face because I got enraged. I like, this is like little stuff. And I understand that every local business, small business can't accommodate for like, you know, redo their whole business like the whole structure, right? To install an elevator. But they had an elevator, but they just weren't willing to it like to let me use it. Um so I walked up all four flights of stairs out of spite. And I was huffing and puffing, but I did it because I was angry about it. (laughs) Which probably was not the way to go about it, but sometimes I'm like, you know what? Fine. Like, I don't know. That's just something that when you're disabled you have to think through every single 
circumstance of if you're traveling, you know, what is the Uber is really expensive, but I rely on Uber and ride sharing services um, to get around since I can't drive. Um, airplanes are notorious for breaking people's expensive wheelchairs and equipment. There's just like so much that goes into it. And I don't think people will really understand how much, like I get really frustrated when disability is left out of the conversation with race and gender and sexuality and class because disability affects like one out of four people and billions of people in the world have disabilities. And disability is something that anyone can enter at any time. So like you could walk out, someone can walk out in the street and get hit by a bus and suddenly they're, they're disabled. And then things like that's how they thought before is just not what it was, it is anymore. So sorry if that's morbid. I just think about it all the time. I see inequities, there's still so far to go with uh, disability equality. Well, so. I, I tell you what, I sit here and you go, you know, you hear some people say that people with disabilities get special treatment. And I sit here and I go, yeah, sometimes, yeah, but it's not special treatment. It's not like you're patting somebody on the head or giving them a good, you know, like a gold star at school. It's special treatment to help make someone whose life can be more difficult, not have to be more difficult than yours. Like that's silly to hear that people complain about that. And I'll tell you what, and in no way do I ever want to equate and be like, yo, I get it. I, I do not. Let me clear about that. But one thing I will say is that when we, um, when Cal was born and we were still living in New York city, all of a sudden we had a stroller with us all the time. And what I found out was that in that stretch, when you have a stroller, all of a sudden you are in a stretch of life where you very often have to use the same um, utilities, facilities, and pathways that people in wheelchairs use. So all of a sudden, specifically on the New York City subway system, now I think in New York City, I go, this is a very forward-thinking city. This is a, a generally very blue city. And I know that they've put in great efforts to make things accessible. You go, oh my goodness, the amount of time. It's like, oh, so many of the subway stations have elevators now. And you go, and that's a good thing. But then you sit here and you go, the amount of time that I sit and wait for an elevator is inexcusable. And then sometimes, if I'm being totally honest, you get on these elevators and you go, oh, somebody used this elevator as a bathroom not that long ago. I can smell it. It smells like pretty fresh pee. And because we all had to wait so long, now there's like six or seven of us and we're all piled in here in this elevator that smells like pee and we're all kind of like physically touching in the, on a hot summer day. And you go, that is truly unpleasant. So in no world am I saying, oh, I get it. But where I am saying, to think about access, to think about how you have to meticulously pre-plan everything. Let's also just point out, I can get your back and say, even just from having a stroller and having to adjust my life to access for that, to go, even places that have access, this is not, it's not like you're getting white glove treatment as a disabled person when you're out in public. It's not anybody who would say, oh, disabled people get special treatment. You go, no, very often what disabled people get is a bare minimum of accessibility that no one cares about or, or takes care of or 
keeps an eye on is what you get. I would have to think. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, I've been in New York city. We were there in 2019 pre pandemic. Uh, we went for a weekend trip, my fiance and I, and I got an Airbnb message to the guy. I was like, how many like flights of stairs is this up? And he's like, Oh, it's only one flight or, or it's two flights. And I said, okay, I can do two flights of stairs. Cause I can do stairs. Um, I just don't have like energy to do like a lot of big things. And I got there and it's four flights of stairs. It's like one flight up into the actual building and then three flights. And that's a lot more for me. Um, and honestly, going to New York was an absolute nightmare. I, I love New York and I love the culture and I love, you know, like how progressive a city it is. But I tell you, especially if you're not native to New York, like figure out the subway system is confusing. I also can't find my way out of my paper bag. I'm not directionally good at that kind of stuff but we get to a subway and the elevator would be broken so we'd have to walk three blocks and then we'd have to like take a bus and then you have to fold your wheelchair in half to get on the bus and then my fiance has to carry it up and down and the the ramp is not working or we have to use an escalator and we shouldn't have to use an escalator it's just like one thing after the other and I don't think that people realize what emotional labor it is to, to be disabled because like I wish I didn't have to think about all these things, but if I don't think about all these things ahead of time, I cannot access or I cannot participate in the event. Um, I will say really embarrassing story because I love to embarrass myself. <laughs> Since I'm Asian, um, I don't have that alcohol dehydrogenase. I know you don't drink, um, but I get the Asian glow or the Asian flush where my face turns really red. Um, and I had one margarita and then we went to go see uh Book of Mormon, and I got there, and as soon as I stood up to go up against that, everything in my hearing goes out, and I'm like, oh, this is a bad sign, and I'm on the second tier, like, before the nosebleeds, but, like, above other seats, like, so there's, there's kind of, I don't know, there's a bunch of seats above me that people can see, and he's like, what's wrong? I look at my fiance, and I say, please, I was like, please get a bucket, and I throw up in front of Broadway, like behind me, nosebleed seats. And then the guy keeps seeing like, there's a guy that comes over and he's like, you can give you tickets for another night. And I'm like, nope, I feel better. And I sat and I rallied and I watched the Book of Mormon. But <laughs> I'm sure some New Yorkers were like, oh God, she's disabled. Maybe she's like sick from treatment. No, I just had too strong of a margarita and cannot handle alcohol. Um, <laughs> So if you ever think that you're having an embarrassing day, you can just think of me at Broadway throwing up in front of hundreds of people and then sitting through the rest of the show. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you can I mention something else really quick? Yeah. Mention whatever you want. This is your show. I am along for the ride on this one. Everyone knows that. Well, I just wanted to mention, because I don't know how much time we have left. 17 minutes. Since I'm adopted, okay. Since I'm adopted, it's really interesting because my family is white. Like, my mom is this tiny white Italian woman who's a force of nature. She's great, but she's, like, like kind of overbearing. And so I've grown up, I'm, like, whitewashed. So we went to an Asian restaurant last night. I can't use chopsticks. It's so embarrassing. I make my fiance ask for a fork. For me, because I get judged by the Asian wait staff since I can't use chopsticks. I've really tried. I've really tried. It's just 
I'm really messy with food anyway. And it's just like a whole situation. But there's a lot of stigma in the Asian community against people with disability. Well, not, from what I noticed as a South Korean woman who grew up in a white family, and I don't know that this applies to everyone, but from my conversations I've had with other Asian people, um, specifically like older Asian generations, um, like they just have a lot more stigma and discomfort surrounding disability because culturally it's seen, disability is seen as like a curse from your family. It might be that kind of thing. Not everyone thinks that way, but I've just noticed that especially among older generations, I get a lot of hate and animosity when I'm in public spaces uh, and from older Asian people. And that makes me very uncomfortable. So I really wanted to get to know my culture, but I've also not entirely felt welcomed. Um, and also I like, don't want this to sound like I'm calling anyone out. This is just in my personal experience. Um, and that's been really difficult too. Cause like, I look like I, you know, I am an Asian person and I look Korean, but I'm not Asian enough for some people. And that's a weird thing to be for sure too. My friend, you live one of the most specific lives I've ever heard about. Yeah, you're going to, people are going to find me quick and that's okay. I'm expecting that. <laughs> people be I don't even mean about that. I just mean your life experience. It's so unique, so specific, so much to deal with. And I just can't, like you're laying out, born with cerebral palsy, crutches, wheelchairs, access, dating, Missing out on life experiences as a kid, going, going to the ice skating rink, Cotton Eye Joe. Now you're talking about being adopted, being Asian, feeling unaccepted for a number a number of reasons. As such, so you're going. You got every reason to, uh, and and you've said you've said you cry a lot, but you're laughing so much. And I sit here and I just go, this has been, this conversation has been so consistently fun because you keep making me laugh and you keep cracking yourself up. And uh sounds like you have every reason to laugh at nothing in life. And instead you laugh at everything. And that's rad. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, and I, I feel like people don't understand when people are not disabled, when people are not like being adopted is not is a great thing. I'm really grateful for my adoptive family. Like she, my mom is my mom. Um, it, it's just it's more complicated, and I, I like to talk about it because I feel like people don't know about it. Um, specifically, disability stuff because nobody it's like a taboo thing and people are afraid to ask or if they do ask, it's just kind of rude. And I like to put it out on the table. It's like, yeah, this is kind of what I deal with. And this is what it's like. Um, and I feel like the people who love me and are along for the ride, just like are kind of at the same situation where they like, they laugh along with me. I was out with a friend a few years ago. And I'll never forget this. This guy, we we're like, we're getting in the car and there's this guy smoking and he's an NPP in his parking lot. And as we're pulling away, he yells, you're like me. And he points at his amputated leg. And I'm like, what am I supposed, how am I supposed to respond? 
respond to that. People are so fucking weird and it's so awkward. <laughs> and it's just it's so like I have to laugh because I have cried about it a lot. I'll be honest, there's just been a lot of stuff where I think when you are not when you're trying to do your best in a world that is fundamentally not made for you and people don't want to make things accessible or you know, whenever I see like people trying to make things accessible, it's like, oh, well, that's too expensive or we can't do that. It's like, well, think about all the people that, that can't access your establishment if you're not trying to make an effort. And it's not even what people do, it's how they approach the situation. That's how I feel with like 90% of disability issues. Um, yeah, it has been a lot, but I'm really grateful. Honestly, I feel like I'm on the other side of it. If you talked to me a year ago, I was really having a hard time with the pandemic. Um, about four years ago, I could not even imagine my life looking like this at all. Um, <laughs> but I think it goes to show that things can change quickly um, and everyone deserves to have a life that they're, they're proud of and they're happy with and even among shitty circumstances. But it- I try to be funny and I ha- I like love, I love talking about it because I think it's funny and... <laughs> I don't know. It's bizarre. Someone tried to sell me upgraded olive oil in an Uber and told me that blueberries and cilantro will kill my cell palsy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Can Wait, like an Uber driver? Home? Can we not do this? Oh, yeah. Tried oh, yeah. to sell you cilantro, yeah. cilantro and blueberry olive oil and said it would cure your cerebral palsy? So she told me if I use this upgraded olive oil, she said she was a retired pharmacist. If I use this upgraded olive oil, it has use restorative properties. And then if I ate cilantro and blueberries, it would cure my cell palsy. And as I told you, I studied neuroscience in school. So I was asking her like, well, how does it cross the blood brain barrier? And she couldn't ask me. And it just got to the point where I was like, I don't want to even give her a not a five stars because that's like, I just don't want to be matched with her again. So I messaged Uber and was like, hey, like, I don't want to be rude, but can you just like not match me with her again? She was saying weird stuff and they gave me $5. So there's that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's just, it is what it is when you try to make the best of it. Um, people are going to say, like, I've heard, like, there's a big thing among the disability community, they're like inspiration corner. Like you've heard of this before, but like people will say like you're inspirational for like going outside and like stuff that is not inspirational at all. Um, so I'm not, I'm just trying to convey like what the real life is like. Well, you know what really jumps out and it's the thing that I feel like I've kind of probably fundamentally understood in my gut, but that I've never thought of this simply before I'm talking with you right now is for people who are physically disabled, I think those of us who are not can, can see, oh, that is hard. And it, it brings, it, it, you can see it's hard. But what we don't realize from the outside is it sounds mentally exhausting too. Between dealing with oh, people's yeah. comments and assumptions, between having to, I think about how many logistics are involved in my life to go places and do, the, and then you, you have to kind of meticulously research everything before you go anywhere. It, like before you even leave the door, there must be times where you're going, I just can't figure out if they have a working elevator and I'm tired of nobody's picking up their phone and it's not on their goddamn website and I'm already in a bad mood before I even leave the house. It sounds like it's mentally exhausting dealing with it 
And that's something I've never thought yeah. about before right now. Yeah, I, uh, there isn't a mental, an emotional load and I will allow myself days or time. My fiance roasts me because I set a timer to cry. I have a cry timer. And he's uh-huh. like, what? Uh-huh. But like, I will let myself cry for like 45 minutes for an hour, work my, work through my shit. Sorry, Sally. And then I get that. Like, I need to like move on with it. Um, because I, don't only handle so much too, but also uh, I've been prone to depression, so I can spiral out. So I really try not to avoid those spiral episodes by doing the cry timer. Uh, I don't think anyone else does that. I think it's just a really weird thing that I do. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really. I don't know that I would recommend a cry timer for anyone else. I think my therapist. I might start. Me, I might steal like, that one from. I was crazy. And when your therapist looks at you as you're crazy, it's really humbling. But I think that there's a whole other conversation to be had when you have a non-apparent disability. So mental illness is considered a disability. Anything that affects the ability to participate in daily life is considered a disability if, if your daily life is affected. Um, so ADHD, um, autism, all of those things are also not visible. And that is a different side of the coin, right? Because then you have to disclose to every person you meet. Whereas when I walk into the room, it's like, oh, elephants in the room like she's disabled like we know it um, did you just say your so name it's kind of no elephant elephant oh no. got it right your name is not elephant got it it'd be kind of cool if it was but imagine if that was uh, the big reveal at the end of the episode <laughs> i do have a name that is hard for people to pronounce that gets misspelled often and it's that just adds to it all you know you just gotta be amused by it but um yeah, I think it's it is a whole thing that people don't realize. I think something now that like I'm becoming into buying a house, like uh, we're looking for a house, and the amount of homes we're looking for like a rancher, so I don't have to deal with stairs. And the market is ridiculous right now. Congratulations on your house, by the way. Thank you so um, much. We got lucky with when we bought it. It's awful right now, though. It's like yeah, houses are nuts. crazy now, and the houses that are accessible to me, you know, are getting bought out by other people who are older who can afford more than we can and that's really hard too and i just kind of have to like okay that's just this what it is um and then like when you think about parenthood like if i want do want to have kids like because i'm adopted like nobody looks like me and i thought that that was really cool but being disabled like that's a whole other layer like okay Am I going to be a high-risk pregnancy if we decide to have kids? Because if I fall, then I'll, like, fucking squish the baby. And that's not funny to joke about, but I, that's honestly what I think. I'm going to, like, call my fiance and be like, oh, we have to go to the ER. I squish the baby. I don't know. So, like, I fall a lot. And, like, there's just a lot of things that, you know, you see on the toddler. You have to, you know, you have to chase cow around all the time. Like, I cannot run. Um, I'm pretty independent, but there's still things that I cannot do, you know. Um, so it, it just permeates every aspect of my life. And I remember I had a teacher in college and I was like having a really hard time because my mental health was in the toilet in college. I had a cry library, but I had a bench outside the library that I cried at. I called it my cry bench. Oh, I had a crying bench too <laughs> and, in Weehawken. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In your, in your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was bench. a public space. Yeah. I shouldn't. I, I wish I like 
can't believe that people who knew me in college are still friends with me now because I just was so unstable back then. Um, uh, I, she told me like, you don't get to turn off, you know, like I don't get to decide, like wake up and be like, I don't want to be disabled today. It, it is what it is. It affects me every day. And if I'm tired and people are like, what's wrong with you? When I go out to my Uber, I just have to deal with it. The weird thing is when people find out that I'm disabled, like I have to comfort them about my disability. Like some guy asked me, like another Uber driver, he was like, did you get hit by a car? And I was like, what the can you just take me home for my booster appointment, please? And then I'm like, no, I have cerebral palsy. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's fine. And then they'll go on. Like, I've been interrupted at the gym and I take my earbuds out. And people are telling me I'm going to pray, for, like they're going to pray for me. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. So, you know, it's never boring. And that's all I can say. I love it. You've broken some things down in a way that's so real and that I enjoy. And I, we only have three minutes left. Also want to say too, I don't want to gloss over. I wish we had more time. You know, you brought up the idea of being adopted, being born in Korea, adopted by a white family here. And I just want to say we got three minutes left and I wish we had more time to talk because that's a whole other, whole other thing. I want you to know that I, I didn't just whiff on that. I heard it, but I'm going, we got three minutes left. You have so much to say. Oh, I know. There's a lot. Um, yeah, the adoption thing, there's a documentary on Netflix that I watched called Fallon, and it's about these Chinese uh, adoptees that go back and try to find their parents. And it's something that, like, I was sitting there and I was just, again, I was crying. I really cry a lot, honestly. I'm going to be real with you, but I feel like it's good to get it out. Um, but it really, you know, I'm like, oh, I would love to do that. I would love to go back to Korea and you know, explore that. But I'm also terrified of going back and being in a Korean country, like in South Korea, and then all judging me and making assumptions and like me going to a table and not being served because of my disability and because I'm perceived as like whitewashed. Um, so that's, that's something I'm considering, but it's a lot. But I do want to say that PSA, like disabled is not a dirty word. Disability is not a dirty word. Please don't call people differently abled, like or any other euphemism, like special needs. Like it's okay to call someone disabled. I feel like the people that make up those euphemisms are the people, the parents of people with disabilities. And if you talk to people with disabilities, you're disabled people themselves. Just like, disability is so neutral. So just like everyone's ERG I know is named like enabled, differently abled. I'm not disabled. And it's okay to be disabled. It's pretty great, actually. I don't know if you have any other questions in like the minute we have. Chris, you have made my day. You've made my year. You've made my day. You've made my year. I hope you have a great wedding. I hope you don't ball up and cry with your head between your knees for hours at your own wedding. Oh, I'm, I hope you I'm love sure it. I will. I hope you have a great day. Be, thank you. I hope it'll be fun. Um, and I just feel like, you know, as a teenager, I didn't think that this is what my life could be as a disabled person. And now I'm looking back on it and I'm like, you know, I've been through a lot, but like a lot of it has been pretty great too. So Chris, uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I can't thank you enough for all the work that you do. And I know you're not going to want to like accept it, but just like accept that I have so much love for you in the show. I was telling you that I listened to like 10,000 minutes of your podcast this year. So, um, although admittedly I'm behind on the past few episodes, but I really love your show. I love what you're doing. Um, and it's really great to talk to you today. It's great to talk to you. And um, I hope that 
I hope that you move forward in a world where you're married and happy in a ranch house that you bought, that you love, that you can afford in a world that is mercilessly free of cotton-eyed Joe. That's my final wish for you. No more cotton-eyed Joe. Fuck cotton-eyed Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Caller, thank you so much, and I mean it. Cotton Eye Joe. Let's if we can just ban that song forever. I think that would be a stunning accomplishment for our time together. That would be great. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being so honest. Thanks for making me laugh so much. The show's produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Marcus Hop. Theme song is by Shell Shag. Go to ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about me, including live dates, live beautiful anonymous tapings, getting out there on the road again. And hey, wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow, something like that helps us a lot when you hit that button. So please consider it, and I thank you in advance if you do. Find our latest merch at podswag.com. There's mugs, shirts, posters, and more. You can find ad-free episodes, Beautiful Anonymous, and tons of other shows over at Stitcher Premium. Use that promo code STORIES, one month free, stitcher.com slash premium. <laughs>